Welcome to Paddling the Blue. With each episode, we talk with guests from the Great Lakes and around the globe who are doing cool things related to sea kayaking. I'm your host, my name is John Chase, and let's get started Paddling the Blue. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of Paddling the Blue. Joachim Larson, also known as the Shibby Traveler, joins me today to share the story of his 233-day solo of the entire coast of Norway, both ways. He's got a great story of living in the moment and taking on big things for the pure enjoyment of being out there. Before we talk with our guest, I'd like to ask for your help in just a few ways. First, I love seeing the show grow and hearing from listeners just like you. So please keep sending me emails with your feedback and your ideas for the show. You can send those to john at paddlingtheblue.com. Now, one way, in fact, the biggest way that the show grows is through listeners like you sharing Paddling the Blue with friends or sharing it to your contacts on social media. And that's real easy. Just send someone a link to paddlingtheblue.com and they'll be able to take it from there. Second, take a minute to leave a five-star review for Paddling the Blue through whatever platform you use to listen. Every one of those reviews and every little bit helps the show move up in the rankings and helps more paddlers just like you find the show. Last, running a podcast not only takes time, but it also takes money too. And if you'd like to make a small contribution to help offset production costs and hosting costs for Paddling the Blue, you can now do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash paddlingtheblue. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash paddling the blue. I appreciate you listening, and thanks to you, all of you who've already supported the show. With that, enjoy today's episode with Joachim Larson. Hi, Joachim. How are you today? Hi, John. I'm good. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about you and your history as an adventurer. Well, uh, it all started with this dream I had in uh, 2010. I was uh, living in Oslo and uh, just working, working, working. Uh, I was responsible for a a group of stores. Uh, But uh, one day I woke up and I had had this dream that I was uh, kayaking in tropical uh, areas with sands and palms. Uh, I had never been to this place before. I didn't know where it was. But uh, when I woke up, I told my friend that I was going to save some money for a year and then start traveling, just quit the job, quit the apartment, everything. Uh, But when I came down to work and sat down in front of the computer, I was uh, just sitting there and I I had lost all will to work hard. uh, the, the will to work was just gone and uh, I called up my manager uh, he came down to the store and I told him hey Inder uh, I'm sorry but uh, I am quitting and he was like why and I was like well I had this dream that I was uh, kayaking and he he was like what uh, <laughs> you, you quit because you had a dream <laughs> and I was like yeah 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 I, I need to travel uh, and then uh, another store manager uh, he invited me to come to a wedding in, in, in India. So we booked a ticket there, uh, just traveled around, went to a wedding, and the, my first non-touristic uh, trip, uh, also where I discovered that uh, you don't really need meat. Uh, it was my first like vegan discovery. And uh, after that, I traveled back to Norway, uh, I hadn't saved up much, much money, so after uh, six, seven weeks, uh, it was over, and I just started working, and I kind of forgot about the dream and went back to reality. But that uh, 
So you, you, you had the dream, you, you woke up, you told your friend about the dream, and then that same day you went into work and quit. Yes. Wow. Correct. Okay. That's and, inspiration. Uh, a month later, I was on the plane. <laughs> wow. So that, that started the journey for you. That was kind of the start. Uh, and then I stayed a little while in Norway. And then I uh, moved to Spain uh, due to my psoriasis, uh, which gets really bad in the winter in Norway. And I stayed a couple of years in Spain. Uh, and then I was invited to be best man in a wedding uh, in Thailand uh, through one of my oldest friends. And of course, I accepted. We ended up traveling a lot around Thailand, and uh, we ended up uh, just about uh, halfway off the west coast in Krabi. A really beautiful place. Uh, I had this really quiet place away from uh, the town. And I was uh, one morning up before the sun and just uh, meditating while the wild dogs were running around, uh, jumping around, playing with me and not allowing me to focus the best and uh, then when i looked up i looked around me and then i realized i was in the dream i had had uh, seven years before that and i was like wow and then i remembered the kayak and i was like okay i am going to kayak the west coast of thailand <laughs> so uh, when, when my friends woke up, I told them about uh, the dream and uh, that I was in the dream now and uh, that I had decided to kayak the west coast of Thailand. All right. And, then, and from that point to the point where you started the, the trip, how long was that? It was, I think this was maybe around uh, March, February. I went back to Norway, waited until the... Monsoon season was over, mm. and uh, as soon as the monsoon season was over and I had saved up money, I traveled down. I bought myself uh, a feel-free two-person Corona, I think it was. And uh, I had also uh, like posted this on Facebook, like, okay, I'm going to kayak with the West Coast of Thailand. Do anyone want to join me? And a really old friend of mine, he was like, I will join you. I am in Thailand at that time. And I can join you for three weeks, uh, which was really amazing because I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> so how long was that trip in terms of days and, uh, and kilometers? Kilometers, I really don't remember. Okay. But uh, it took us uh, three weeks to get uh, almost to Phuket, uh, where he had to leave. Uh, we were a little... Uh, delayed due to we had no clue what we were doing <laughs> uh, we had no clue about thailand we had uh, yeah it was just uh, just learning by doing so it went slower than expected uh, the monsoon season was delayed so we had a lot of lot of rain at the start and it, uh, we were told that you can't go out in a kayak in this weather, big boats are asked to go into shore, so you you, you have to stay here. <laughs> so 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 it was a little slow start, but uh, it was uh, some of the best memories I have. So so he joined you for the first half of the trip, and then you continued the second half of the trip uh, solo, correct? In that same boat. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. Now then, this is open water. 
Hey, this is open water, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm just following the coastline from the uh, northwest uh, part of Thailand. Uh, and then we, uh, the first thing we uh, do is just to follow land. Uh, we were hoping to cross over to an island the first day, but we just we didn't get further. Uh, so we set up camp at a nice beach. Uh, we started making a bonfire, and uh, everything was uh, nice. And as the sun went down, it was a new moon. All the stars were shining. Uh, you had shooting stars, and then you started to see the waves coming in with uh, uh, enlightened plankton, and uh, everything was just glowing, glowing, glowing. Uh, it was one of those nights where everything was just perfect. Amazing. Uh, so, in, 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 until the until the tide started coming up, uh, we <laughs> forgot about the tide, so we had set the camp a little low. Uh, so I had to like move the bonfire, move everything a little further up, uh, but uh, it, it, it went fine, it went fine, but uh, uh, it, it just was the perfect start. Wonderful. Now, is that your first kayak trip ever? Uh, no, uh, I bought a kayak when I was 13 actually, but I only used it maybe 10 times along the coast of Nesodden, which is probably the least weather hazardous place in all of Norway. Okay. Uh, so it was really safe uh, along the coast uh, here in the inner Oslo fjord. But, uh, when you're 13, you start finding about uh, maybe uh, parting a little girls. So you kind of forgot about the kayak. And I ended up uh, giving it away to someone that wanted to try and kayak. Okay. And no one in my family knew why I wanted a kayak because I didn't know anyone that kayaked. Uh, no one in my family kayaked. Uh, it was just a mystery, but so I had decided I wanted a kayak and I got a kayak. That uh, led you to paddling the coast of, uh, of Thailand? Yeah, yeah. All right. So you chose an interesting craft for the trip. Um, you chose the, the feel-free tandem uh, Corona sit-on-top mm-hmm. uh, boat for the trip. Yeah. So how did you arrive at that being the boat of choice? It was the cheapest one I found. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So I think I paid uh, around $500. All right. And it served the need for you. Yeah, it did. It did. I had never tried a sit on top before. Uh, The the, the one kayak I tried before was uh, like a... A small sea kayak, uh, just for in the safe areas inside of the fjord. So it was uh, I, it, it was fun to sit on the top and uh, try that too. Uh, and uh, I think it's the perfect if you want to free dive while you kayak, maybe. So, what are some of your favorite memories from that trip? Mm, the first night was uh, the best. Uh, the best part. So also, we met some amazing people on the next island we went to. We ended up staying there for a couple of days, and uh, it was just amazing. This island without internet had two bars. There were no like water sport hiring. It was just like yoga, and it was just so peaceful. A bunch of uh, German hippies that had settled there. I, I just fell in love with that island. I need to go back to it one one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually planning to kayak all of Thailand, both coasts, at a later point in my life. 
All right. From there, we went over to another island, and then we went uh, along the main coast again, all the way down to uh, uh, Phuket. It's a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of uh, straight beaches there. So one day, we just kayaked one beach the whole day. As we were coming uh, around one corner, suddenly we saw a thunderstorm just coming full speed ahead on us. And uh, in uh, Thailand, it comes in a matter of minutes. So we crash landed into the beach. My friend, I think he jumped off uh, while I actually landed on the beach on the kayak, still sitting on it. And uh, we started walking inwards and we came into this uh, amazing monastery. It, it was all built in wood. Uh, we walked around, we found one of the monks that uh, spoke English and we asked if we could camp out uh, in their area. And they were like, yeah, you can take uh, that little hut over there. And tomorrow morning, we want you to join us for breakfast and for prayers. Uh, so we did, we joined in and uh, the locals were just coming with amazing, amazing dishes, dish after dish and uh, joined in the prayers. It just gave a really, really good feeling in all of your body, just joining them in what they were doing. Uh, I kind of fell for Buddhism after that. Now, how did you go about planning the trip? Well, we didn't actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's the best adventure, right? Yeah, yeah. So we had no clue where we were going from day to day. We had figured out that most likely we can buy food at the most areas we come in every day, which was uh, almost correct. But we uh, filled up the kayak with fruits, nuts, basic survival food. Uh, we didn't cook anything for ourselves because we didn't bring any cooking equipment. We were just winging it the whole way. <laughs> and just ju just having fun. We ended up on an island called Kura, and then we Googled it, and it was uh, known for all of its different birds and snakes. <laughs> <laughs> so we were kind of like, okay, uh, snakes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we know there are a lot of snakes here, but uh, we didn't see much snakes, actually. They like to stay away. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as we were checking out the, uh, the island, uh, we, we had to go in there because there was this other storm coming and we just barely managed to get back on the island there. And uh, we met this Thai, he didn't know any English, but he understood that we wanted a place to sleep and we, he gave us a nice place to sleep. He invited us uh, in to help cooking and for eating and everywhere we came, we were invited in for food if we got into a small village. Uh, it was like, Farang, 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 come, 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 come. Uh, and then they gave us some beer and they gave us some food. Uh, I tried uh, different bugs for the first time and it was, uh, it was actually really, really good. <laughs> uh, just trying anything they gave us, just embracing the culture. I, I just knew then that uh, kayaking was the best form of traveling that I had ever tried. I think that uh, our listeners would agree that it's the best form of travel as well. So you had no cooking equipment. Did you have a, a chart or a map or anything? No. Okay. You just knew that you just wanted to <laughs> keep the coast on your, on your right and keep on paddling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had our phone, which had coverage the most of the time. 
So okay. you could always check that, but uh, uh, I kind of know what way the south is. So we just kept on going south. Did you camp most of the time or did you, uh, did you find other places to stay? Uh, just around 50-50. So we stayed uh, different uh, small huts and tried to live as cheap as possible. And as long as we found something within a nice price range, we said, uh, yes, okay, we, uh, we're going to sleep here. Uh, when uh, everything was too expensive in the area, then we just slept out. So it sounds like the people were, uh, were quite accommodating. They were, they were. Uh, Thailand is uh, one of my favorite countries, I will say. Uh, I've been uh, down there for this, uh, well, yeah, for, for the wedding first and then for this trip. And then I went down again in uh, 2018 and uh, did uh, eight months of free diving where I did all the way up to instructor. Yeah, and I re uh, and as I was when I was done kayaking all of Thailand, uh, I also decided that uh, I wanted to come back again within 10 years from I finished uh, and do both sides. So I was uh, kind of hooked and uh, wanted to see more. So do you have the plans already uh, for kayaking uh, both coasts? Yes, it's there, but going to wait until uh, everything looks more predictable. I still have uh, a couple of years until it's gone 10 years. So this was in 2016, I think. Okay. Kayak Thailand. So uh, you still got time. So yeah, I still have time. It's a lot of other places that I want to travel also. Like uh, I have, I think I have looked through the entire world map with satellites, just trying to see, okay, can I kayak here? Can I kayak here? Can I kayak here? Can And it seems that most of the coastline of the world is kayakable. <laughs> I would say that's probably the case. So your second trip was to paddle the Norway coast. Uh, so if Norway's home, why didn't you start there first? because uh, it wasn't a dream okay i decided to do, do norway when, when i was done with thailand i did a little kayaking in malaysia too uh, until i uh, sold the kayak there uh, and then i did all of the diving and then i went to mexico and uh, started with uh, doing shark dives there uh, doing my master and then from there i went back to thailand to do the free diving and then in 2019 i was back in norway the reason I wanted to kayak Norway was basically because I had kayaked Thailand and I uh, couldn't kayak another country and not kayak the country where I came from, was my feeling. So I just uh, decided, okay, I'm going to kayak Norway. Uh, I started contacting, trying to find some sponsors here and there. Then I contacted the, the free diving shop that I had used earlier because they had some kayaks and I asked them, okay, do you have any recommendations on kayaks? I want to try to kayak Norway. They said, okay, our neighbors, they have really good kayaks, Norse. Then I just sent them a message and, hey, I want to kayak Norway and I'm looking for the perfect kayak for it. And then I just got the answer, okay, when are you starting? And uh, yeah, somewhere around May, okay, we'll send you a kayak. And I was like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> so they, they sent me Ymir, uh, and it arrived the day before I was going to start. And so I had never tried it before. I didn't get to try it that day. I just had to play, sit in a slow, and uh, go home, sleep, get my things, and then be back again 
uh, in Oslo to start a kayaking. The, the, the amount of equipment I had, I had never packed it in a kayak before. Uh, it was just my idea of what I needed. So I just packed it down. Almost everything fits. I had to leave maybe two, three kilos of things. So I picked what I wanted the most and just started kayaking down to the Swedish border. Found out that uh, the sleeping bag I had uh, taken with me was uh, uh, way too cold because uh, in May in Norway normally it should have worked, but we had a really really cold May. Uh, so I had to ask my mother to uh, go and buy me a better sleeping bag. And uh, the next day I met up with her in Moss. She brought me some sushi for lunch and uh, gave me the sleeping bag. And then I was on my way down to the border to the starting point. So you received the boat and you had never paddled the boat. You've never packed the boat. And this was your, your first day in the boat was, was the day you left for the trip. Yes, correct. Normally you want to like test the equipment and test the kayak, but uh, I've always been that kind of guy that just jumps in it <laughs> uh, if I want to try something. And uh, if I want to learn something, I want to learn everything about it. And the best way to learn is by doing it a lot. So uh, yeah, I just got out in the kayak, started and it worked amazing. During the couple of uh, days down to the border, uh, I felt like uh, I had really connected with the kayak and started to like get the hang of this. Uh, and I, I hadn't kayaked at all since I was uh, in kayaking Thailand. So this was my first trip since I ended that trip. Oh, the first one in, in within a couple of years even. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now you started the trip, um, you said in Oslo? In Oslo, yeah. Okay. And so did you kayak down to the border and then back to Oslo or? No, down to the border. And then I just crossed over the Oslo Fjord and just uh, over to uh, Færder. And from there, I just kept on heading south until you get to Lindesnes, which is the most southern point of Norway. And from there on, you just keep on going north, 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 north for a really, really, really long time. Okay. Yeah, when I was around halfway, I started to like uh, having uh, problems with the tent. Uh, things were had uh, disappeared. I had also had uh, some water in my technical bag. Uh, so almost all of my technical things were uh, wet and not working. And like the night that the tent died, I had had uh, three days where I had had something in my sleeping bag, something that was biting me all night. So for three days, I barely slept and it was just wet, 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 wet. I think I had on the 29, uh, no, on the 19 trip, uh, I think I had uh, maybe 10% sunlight, 90% rain. Everything was wet uh, and it's starting to like really, really get to me. No sleep, always cold, always wet. I think I must have been rolling around in my sleep in the tent because uh, when I woke up that night I woke up with my face full of mosquitoes and those uh, smaller uh, black flies and they were just eating my face I was just waking up and then I just starting to slap around my face and it, it was just full of the tent was full of them and I was like okay okay 
this is not good uh, the tent is uh, not working anymore uh, I started to uh, like uh, warm up some food and uh, when I was drinking that food I almost choked on the food because I was trying to eat it so fast to get in the kayak and away from all of the mosquitoes but I managed to get in the kayak pack it and then I started kayaking away from the island and uh, that's where I actually recorded a thing that I uploaded to YouTube where I said that uh, okay I'm running out of money now the equipment is broken that I had uh, flooded the equipment and uh, the, the sleeping bag was biting me all the time and like everything felt like it was going down 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 uh, but I was really happy that I was almost at the halfway point uh, so I decided to just finish up the day and get to the halfway point and uh, maybe continue again the next year so I uploaded this video and when uh, very, very fast I started to get like messages okay uh, try some crowdfunding and I was like okay what is crowdfunding I didn't know anything about that but uh, I started crowdfunding uh, on Splice and from I started that day until I was at the goal I had gathered almost the full amount that I needed to get what I needed so then I decided okay I am going to continue uh, that day I also met uh, Andreas uh, Alvehus he was uh, kayaking from north to south uh, so we met there at the halfway point and I talked to him and like uh, he showed me his kayak and his equipment and then I started to like see the difference between what he brought and what I brought uh, which was uh, pretty major he had like uh, a pump uh, a foot pump installed in his kayak I didn't have a pump I only had uh, like a cup I was uh, emptying the kayak with and uh, he had uh, this emergency beacons and he had uh, flashes and he had like a lot of different things uh, and uh, that was kind of when I realized that I was a little under equipped and maybe I was missing a little experience uh, but I had enough to play around until the Baron Sea. But he said uh, that uh, he would not recommend me to, to go to continue to the Bering Sea. Uh, so my new tactic for the trip was to get to know Norway. So I ended up kayaking a lot of detours. The Norwegian coast is uh, from border to border is normally around 3000 K. Uh, kilometers. I went into a couple of uh, long fjords, all the way into Geirangi Fjord, uh, Lyngen Fjord, a couple of other fjords. I also went all the way around Lofoten. I actually spent two weeks kayaking and exploring uh, Lofoten. It just uh, I, I I learned so much about myself and the kayaking uh, along that way, and I met a lot of people. Uh, where I picked up some information there and uh, learned that trick there. When I was crossing over to Lofoten, I met the sh uh, my first shark in a kayak. It seemed that I always was in the point where I was supposed to be. Uh, so it was, uh, it was, it was, it was really a magical feeling just to let go of the plans I had to do Norway from border to border and just to go over to just exploring uh, I climbed maybe 20 30 uh, mountains along the coast 
met a lot of lot of friends and made a lot of lot of new friends but it was just welcoming you everywhere you came they could see that i had traveled for a while with like the long beard and uh maybe smelling a little <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah, yeah everybody was like uh, where did you come from where did you come from and i was like well i started in oslo a couple of months ago and they were like what <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh yeah i i just i really really enjoyed it and uh, the, the cream of the trip was the day bef uh, before the last day uh when i was uh, kayaking into um into uh, Hammerfest. I knew that uh, this uh, whale had been around that area, but uh, I knew that he had left the area. Uh, but uh, I was kayaking into Buda and uh, I wasn't expecting to see him, but I was hoping. And then suddenly this white whale came up uh, underneath my kayak and I was like, whoa, there it is. Oh, so awesome. And uh, he started following me around in the kayak, playing around with me. And uh, I got to the pier and I was filming him underwater. And then he looks at my camera and he's like, I know what this is. And uh, then he ju just uh, snapped the camera with his mouth out of my hand. So I had to let go. If I hadn't let go, he would uh, have uh, capsized the kayak. Uh, so I let it go and then shortly after he lets it go and then the camera just drops, 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 drops to the bottom of the floor. And then he looks at me smiling <laughs> and I was like <laughs> out with my hands and uh, Valdemir. And he was, uh, he, I, I think he understand what I was uh, saying to him because he went straight down, got the, uh, got the camera and just swim back up again and gave it straight to my hand and let go. And I just checked the camera. Wow, it was recording the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so the whale took the camera from you, and then the whale brought the yeah. camera back. Yeah, correct. So your first half of that trip, um, you describe it as 10% uh, sun, 90% rain, mosquitoes eating your face, no sleep, failing gear. It doesn't sound like mm. any fun. So what changed to make that second half of the trip so enjoyable? As soon as I got to the border of northern Norway, the rain disappeared, the cold disappeared. I, I, I think I don't think I had more than one day with temperatures above 10 degrees Celsius at, uh, until I got to the northern part. But as I crossed over the, uh, the, the border, it went from below 10 to 20 to 30 degrees. And it was just warm, sunny, magical yeah I, I, I always wanted to see the northern Nor Norway again uh, I hadn't been up there for like 20 years or something it's amazing when you come to the northern part because uh, you have so many islands and so many sandy beaches and you can basically camp almost everywhere and uh, you're never far away from uh, an island where you can go in and just crash in. It's the best part of Norway is the northern part. So then you took a third trip and you recently completed a second paddle of the Norway coast, but this wasn't just a repeat of the first trip. So tell us how this trip was different. Mm, this was uh, different uh, because uh, 
I had already decided to do Norway from border to border one more time. Uh, at that point, I was uh, working as a bartender and a personal assistant and doing a little work here and there. I, I, I kind of got sick of work and I felt like I had been... I, I, I kind of stopped at a place where I didn't feel the most comfortable. Uh, so I decided to just quit. I had this vision before I resigned my job. I had this vision that uh, it was possible to kayak Norway up and down. After I had this vision, I was like, is this possible? And then I started to like, okay, if I estimate around 100 days up, 100 days down. And then I was like, okay, if I start in April instead of May that I was planning, it is actually possible. And uh, then I started mentioning it for a couple of people. And everybody was like, no, 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 no. It's not possible. It's not possible. No one has done it. It's not possible. It's not possible. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I got more, e even more resistance than the two other kayaking trips that I had, had done. And uh, a lot of people pointed out that I didn't make it all the way to the border on, the, on my last trip. And I only made it to the North Cape. And I was like, yeah, but if I start one, mo one month earlier, now I have more knowledge. And of course, I was really, really, I needed to have the weather with me, which I will say I, I had the weather with me better than I did in 2019 trip, because now on the whole trip up to the border, I think I had around 90% sun. That's a change. That's a big change. But I still had more wind, which uh, most of the time was against me all the way up to the north. Uh, I think uh, maybe 80% of the time I had the wind against me. Sometimes, uh, yeah, normally uh, I stop kayaking when it uh, reaches somewhere between 10 and 15 meters a second headwinds. I can still do a couple of knots in that wind. But when you do that over so many days, you always have to think about, okay, when it slows down, you need to be ready for that too. So you kind of have to try to pick the days where when it's too, too windy and when it's too windy, but you still have to go. So it was a couple of times when I had been fighting the wind against me for days. And then when the calm day come, I was too tired to hack. <laughs> <laughs> During the first 10 days, I don't think I had plus degrees. It was uh, minus degrees most of the time. And the sun was shining constantly. There were no clouds in the sky. So I started getting these uh, uh, blisters on the side of my hand that were blue. First you have blisters and then your blisters have blisters. And then when your blisters, blisters get blisters, that's when it uh, starts getting okay again. <laughs> So this trip, you you went from the the southern border, so the the border uh, between Norway and Sweden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I used four days to kayak down there. Okay. And uh, then I used ninety seven days all the way up to the border. And so the border with Russia, all the way up. Yeah, yeah. And then you turned around and came back and did the did the trip again, basically the reverse. Yeah. So we have this saying in Norway: "It's never a shame to turn back." Sure. So that's what I did. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And uh, along the whole trip of Norway, which is around 3,000 kilometers, uh, I had one person joining me all the way along the way. He joined me for a full, a full day of kayaking at actually one of the areas of Norway which is most feared. It's uh, Jaren. And everybody was always telling me when I said that I was going to start the 1st of April from the border, they were like, yeah, but you won't get far because you need to pass Jaren and Stadt and you don't get past there in April. Everybody told me this. I don't know if I had this dream because everybody told me or what it was, but I had this dream that when I came to Jaren, the water would be flat. When I kayaked there in 2019, I regretted starting on uh, that I started on in, on the island right away, because it was uh, it was wild, uh, much wilder than I had the experience to do the first time. But this time it was just flat. There were no wind, no waves, nothing, and I was just uh, smiling and laughing the whole way, like. This is uh, unreal, uh, and everybody I have talked to, they say that okay, you have this uh, these days uh, maybe three, four days a year in that area. Whereabouts is that area? Uh, it's on uh, the southern west coast. Okay. There are no islands to hide behind there. The closest island uh, will be uh, the UK. Okay. It's just a big, big open area. So I'm fully exposed to the wind and to the sea. Yeah. And it's uh, like really deep and then it gets really shallow. And it's like this is in some areas you have nice beach uh, beaches, but uh, there are a lot of rocks along the beaches. Uh, and if the waves gets too big, you will probably destroy the kayak and maybe knock yourself out uh, on the wrong day there. If you try to go in, there are three lighthouses where you can go in but you cannot go in there when the waves are getting too big mm. so when you need the places you can't go in but when you don't need the places then you can go in and uh, this area is 50 60 uh, k from the hard area starts until the hard area ends and on the 2019 trip i couldn't see land at all i had to go so far out that I didn't see the lighthouse, I didn't see anything, it was just foggy. And in 2019, it was just, not only 2021, it was just sunny and perfect. Uh, so it was, the, the changes from the two years was uh, so incredible that, yeah, you were just laughing at it. And you had those conditions both ways. No, in 21, I actually had it pretty bad on the way back. You have... This first area that you start when you start when you go from the south to north, this is called uh, the Reef of Jaren. You have to go pretty far out to get to the safe area so where the waves are smaller because it's a really shallow reef there. And when they hit, the waves hit around there, you don't want to be there. The day, the, the day before I started there, or the, the, actually the, the, the week before that, uh, it was just high winds, high winds. It was yellow warnings, yellow warning, yellow warning, day after day after day. But I had this little opening where I say that, okay, if I start at sunrise here, I can probably make it around halfway until it starts to blow too much. I had like aimed in on this uh, lighthouse just around halfway, but when I came there, 
I, I really wanted to continue, but the wind were supposed to pick up and they did, but I decided, okay, I, I can't, I want to try for the next lighthouse. And I knew that it was a small harbor in between. The waves weren't that big at the moment, but they were building. So I decided to go. And when I came to this little port that you can get in on okay days, it's starting to, it was starting to get real bad, but uh, I, I had wind against me, so I had a sudden wind, uh, which is, uh, you, yeah, you, you have it against you, but as long as you don't get it from the west, you are okay with the waves. But it started to shift more westly. Yeah, I, I just made it in that narrow opening, and the fishermen that were there they were like, whoa did you come in this weather in a kayak in Yaren? <laughs> and uh, then they, they told me about their fisherman uh, buddy that was uh, picked up by a rescue chopper the day before so yeah so it's, it's, it's a lot of stories about uh, ships going shipwrecked there in that area and uh, everybody that uh, do sailing i think this is the area that they dislike the most because if you have a sailing boat then you have an even larger area where you can't go in. So on your 2019 trip at that halfway point, you met another paddler and you mentioned that you'd kind of learned what you didn't have with you and in terms of gear and, and planning process and that. So thinking about that moment and then thinking about your 2021 trip, how did your, your skills and your planning process change between 2019 and 2021? No, like my planning was pretty much the same uh, when I start the day. Uh, no, no, actually, uh, my planning starts when I end the day, uh, when I put up the tent and I have eaten and I uh, before I go to sleep, I uh, go into the map. I, I normally take a short goal, a medium goal and a long goal. So it's uh, 20, 25 and 30 nautical miles that I map up uh, on my uh, uh, tablet and uh, then I go into satellite mode and then I look for beaches, places, harbors, anywhere that it looks safe to go in. Uh, and then I memorize this, I visualize while I go to sleep and uh, then when I get up in the morning I go back on the map and then I look through it one more time. Uh, that was the same I did in 2019 and 2021 uh, because uh, I didn't bring any maps. It's a too big area to bring a map and uh, it's pretty easy to navigate because you are going the same, uh, the, the same direction almost all the time. But I needed to memorize it in case of weather blowing up and things happening. So then I just need to know what's ahead. And I also looked over everywhere that I kayaked that, okay, uh, if things goes too bad, I can always come back here. I can always come back here. So it was a, a, a lot of risk, uh, risk assessment. Sometimes I went out, uh, in 2019, I probably went out a lot of more times where I should have stayed in. While in 21, I probably stayed in a lot of times when I went out in 2019 because I knew that, okay, today I'm just gonna get really, really tired. I am getting better to listen to the stomach feeling instead of the weather forecast, because the weather forecast is actually mostly wrong. 
uh, it feels like. Uh, but uh, uh, when I f- get this feeling in my stomach that I should go in, and I look at weather uh, forecast and everything looks clear, and then I go in, and then half an hour, hour after, it normally gets a lot worse. Did you stay on the on the outside of the islands, uh, fully exposed most of the time, or did you did you end up hiding behind the islands on your way? Uh, depending on the weather, but most of the area in Norway you can go in between the islands, uh, which is better visually, I think, uh, because uh, then you can drop by so many nice places and see places. While if you go on the outside. It's it's also beautiful. Uh, yeah, I, I I just choose what feels right uh, when I look at a map. Right. Now, how did your skills change between the 2019 and the 2021 trip? In 2020, I uh, did uh, my first kayaking uh, course. Uh, they didn't need me to take the beginning class because they already knew who I was. Uh, so they said, okay, you can start straight on the technique course. Uh, so I did the technique course, actually spent three days kayaking down to the technique course, uh, which I thought was what kayakers did. <laughs> uh, but when I came down there, everyone on, uh, else were driving the kayaks down. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, I was kind of hoping to meet others that was going to the course and they were like, what did you kayak from Oslo and down here? I was like, yeah, I thought that was normal. It's a technique course. (laughs) Uh, And uh, everybody thought it was fun that I actually kayaked all the way down and thought it was pretty incredible trip just to do that. Then we did the course. Unfortunately, the weather during the technique course was really, really good. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, we, we, we didn't get to train in the conditions that I was hoping for uh, because it was just flat, sunny, really nice. But uh, I did pick up a lot of tricks and uh, I got confirmation that most of the things I was doing, for, uh, I was doing the, in the correct way. I also had a couple of things where he, that, that he had never seen before, but he was like, okay, that works. So the course was ending on Sunday, so I stayed there for, uh, in the area from Sunday until next Friday, just kayaking around, just uh, checking out the area. It's a really nice area to train in because you have the outer island, you have the inner island, you can be protected, you can be unprotected. It's shallow areas, it's a lot of currents in some of the areas, so some weird waves can uh, occur there. But I had really good weather the whole time I was there, so it was just checking it out, going into town, looking at the Viking ships. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a cool place with uh, a lot of things to see. And after I had uh, just kayaked around there, I did uh, the instructor trip leader course, which is the first instructor course in Norway. It, it was just fun to see how other kayakers kayak because I didn't have any experience kayaking with experienced kayaker before. It, it really took me to a next level of kayaker uh, that made me more prepared for the 2021 journey. It sounds like it was quite a learning experience for you all, all along the way, starting with, uh, with Thailand and moving through to Norway and then Norway a second time. So how long was that second trip, the, uh, the border to border to border? In total, with the warm-up trip and the warm-down trip, it was 233 days. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Thank you. Yeah. I'm uh, really happy with that. No, no one has actually 
gone to the kayak Norway from border to border before and then decided to turn around. So uh, every day I turned around, it was, uh, I, I was kind of setting the new record every day. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So that, 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 that was a good motivation to keep on going. But uh, I had told a couple of people that I might turn back. Yeah, and I actually said it on this Norwegian uh, kayaking podcast also that uh, when he asked me if I was uh, what I was going to do when I come to the border, I was yeah like if I have the time, I will probably turn back and see how far I get. And uh, he was like, "What? Try to kayak back? Yeah, <laughs> there, there's no point in starting in April if you're not going to try to do back to back. Then it's better to start in May, like I did earlier, and have it a little more comfortable." Well, I'm glad you had the uh, the opportunity to do both ways. So I bet it felt like a different trip on the on the uh, return. Yeah, it, for some parts it actually did, but uh, like the northern part where I did the turn, uh, the Barents Sea, that was mostly the same uh, until it started. The, the, the rain started halfway through the Barents Sea, and I had a six days where I uh, had to stay stay in the tent. No, no, eight days, eight days was blowing from the northwest around 20 meters a second for eight days uh, and you don't want that kind of weather up there doesn't sound hospitable no no but i set up the tent in a nice small town uh, so i had the opportunity to get more water get more food check out the area and uh, one of the days i was going to, to see Hutteruta. For those of you who don't know what Hutteruta is, Hutteruta is uh, the lifeline of the Norwegian coast. It's the, this uh, groups of ships that uh, goes with both tourists uh, and cargo. So I was going out to like film uh, the ship coming into a harbor in, uh, in the weather. And I just filmed him trying once, twice, three times. And then he was like, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm continuing to the next port. And uh, at that time, I was like, okay, it's okay to stay in today. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you able to uh, to see friends and family or f find food along the way? Or did you, uh, did you end up packing all your food? Along the Norwegian coast, you never go more than one or two days before you find another shop. So food is not a problem. Uh, some of the shops are, have limited uh, options. But uh, still, uh, it's never a problem to get food along the Norwegian coast. Uh, the same goes for water. Uh, Norway is supposed to have some of the cleanest water in the world. At least that was uh, we are telling ourselves. So you can get water as long as you get out of the populated areas. You can uh, get water from any stream, uh, and at any pier there are water. At all religious places you have water and that goes for all of the world as far as i know if you go to a religious place you will get water so the water thing was never a problem uh, i met a lot of family along the way friends and uh, kayakers that uh, just were following in my adventure so it was uh, really nice to have people following and helping out uh, anytime uh, someone was coming down to uh, my campsite they were like uh, okay do you need anything from the store and then i was like okay yeah i don't need much but uh, you can bring that that and that so i don't have to stop for a couple of more days 
yeah, everyone was really helpful uh, along the way. And uh, anytime I was, uh, the, the, the weather was getting bad, people were inviting me into their homes, uh, which I actually mostly uh, said no to. I think I had, during the pool trip, I stayed inside seven or eight days, I think. Out of 233. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now we're we're film or we're recording this about ten days after you finished the trip. Is that right? Mm, two weeks, yeah. Two weeks, okay. So after yeah. two hundred and thirty-three days on a trip, how do you settle back into uh, what I'll call, I guess, normal life? It's a it, it, it it's a little. I I I don't want to say it's hard to get back to it, but uh, it's it's a big change. Yeah. Uh, from going to just thinking about when it's good enough weather, when you feel like it, and when you don't feel like it, you can just look outside of the tent and just, nah, I'm going back to bed. Uh, you don't have to think about any bosses, anyone that you're supposed to meet. You just go in your own pace. And the freedom of doing that is probably what I miss the most freedom and the nature and the sounds. The first week I actually mostly stayed to myself and didn't really check much of the social media, just went in every now and then, just, just tried to answer some of the congratulations comments. Uh, but I kind of distanced myself and uh, went a little inside of myself to think about everything to think about the feelings. Uh, yeah, just just do a little bit of meditation there. And uh, then I was uh, straight back to work uh, this week. I have worked five out of seven days as a personal assistant. Uh, and it was really nice to see the guy that I work for again. And uh, he was really happy to have me back at work. And ev everybody has been re really nice and su supportive. Everybody. Uh, asks about the trip uh, so now, now, now i kind of like feel like i'm telling it a, li a little too much so i'm uh, kind of trying to pick different things to tell about <laughs> so, but it, it is really nice but uh, it's a little more little more attention that i might be the most comfortable with but uh, I, I am enjoying it i'm not saying i'm not but uh, yeah I'm, 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 I'm a little more in the background, I feel normally. Okay. Um, who has supported you along the way in terms of gear? We have uh, Norse. Uh, they uh, came uh, with a kayak. The guys there, they have been incredible. Uh, they joined me for the 2090 trip. And when I was done with the 2090 trip, I got an SMS from them, from them saying that uh, congratulations on reaching North Cape. There is a new kayak for you waiting in Sri Lanka anytime you want. <laughs> uh, Sri Lanka is where they have the factory uh, so I was actually in Sri Lanka to kayak around there uh, when uh, Corona broke out uh, so I was running around gathering uh, signatures from politicians, the Navy uh, but uh, as I was uh, visiting, visiting the Navy they said okay sorry we have the first uh, cases of Corona here so we have to send you back again so but you are welcome back again anytime later and when I told them about the 21 trip that I wanted to do Norway again, they said, okay, we are here to support you. 
I, uh, they, they have also connected me to Silva, which have dry bags, uh, navigation, uh, the compass uh, that I have in front of the kayak is from them. It fits really good on the kayak. So, so, so they kind of connected me to them. And then when I asked about, uh, I was looking at the website and they had a level six fjord. And I was uh, kind of curious to try that because in 2019, I didn't know that kayakers had their own dry suit. So I just got a normal dry suit, which was for uh, paragliding actually. But, but uh, that worked fine too. But uh, when I told them about the trip, they said, okay, uh, we, we want to help you. Uh, we will send you the dry suit. But then I saw that they were coming out with Udin dry suit. And of course I'm kayaking Norway, so I wanted the, the dry suit that was coming out. So I sent them a message and like, hey guys, I'm kayaking Norway and I'm kayaking in Ymir, which is basically the earth in the North uh, mythology. Uh, so I need, uh, I really want the Odin dry suit because Odin, uh, he slayed Ymir to create the earth. So he kind of completed the story. I also had help from uh, Norsk Bil Transport. They uh, helped up with uh, a lot of the technical expenses, uh, like a new GoPro and uh, a new tablet, things like that. Uh, I also had the help from uh, Flaskenskjøkken. Uh, where I worked as a bartender, they helped me so I could get get the emergency button and the tracking during the trip. Uh, on this trip, I, I had to start the crowdfunding two times, and both the times it filled up in no time, and everybody wanted to help out. Uh, so there have been so many people along the way helping. Uh, incredible! Like on the first trip, I didn't have any sponsors. On the second trip, I had yeah one two. Uh, so, so some semi-sponsors, but uh, on the third trip I had five, uh, or actually six. Well, congratulations again on uh, achieving your goal of uh, Norway border to border. Um, that's a great trip, a great accomplishment, and uh, welcome back. Um, how, uh, Joachim, how can listeners reach you if they've got additional questions? Uh, they can find me on Facebook, Instagram. So Joachim Larsen or as uh, the Shiba Traveler and uh, you can also find I have done some blogging on the 2019 trip there I did blogging uh, which is shibatraveler.com there I have also taken in uh, some of my experience as a freediver uh, also my paper in uh, how I eat as a vegetarian freediver which I have also complemented into the kayaking so my thoughts about freediving and food can, tr you, you, you can use the same thought in the kayaking part also, uh, where I go into what kind of foods are, creates more uh, mucus, uh, what kind of food makes you more full, what kind of food does that to your body, that to your body. And uh, yeah, uh, so, so some other information also about uh, the kayaking trip to Thailand. Yeah, a little information here and there. All right. Well, I will make sure that I get links to uh, the Shibby Traveler and uh, as well as your, your Facebook posts in our show notes so listeners can follow along with those. Yeah, you mentioned Shibby Traveler. You go by the name Shibby Traveler. Where did the name Shibby Traveler come from? <laughs> it comes from this uh, old uh, movie 
called uh, Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> and uh, I, I, I just fell in, in love with the word when I heard the movie, when I saw the movie the first time. And Shibis, uh, Shibi, it means that you are uh, happy, you're having a Shibi day, you are uh, feeling Shibi. Uh, it's, a, it, it, it's a really nice positive word that uh, just has stayed with me through the years. All right. Well, one last question for you, and that is, um, who else would you like to hear as a future guest on Paddling the Blue? I don't know too much about other kayakers until now lately. And uh, actually, a, a lot of the, uh, the ones that I have heard about that has done something you already have had on the show. And uh, it was really nice uh, discovering your show when you sent me the mail because uh, I didn't know, uh, know about your podcast. And then I started listening and I was like, whoa, there are others doing things like me, which was really a good feeling to find. But uh, I mentioned uh, this uh, Swedish guy that I met uh, on the halfway. I think he did the, from border to border around 60 days. And his name is Andreas uh, Alvehus. Uh, and if you want to try something maybe a little different, uh, I also have uh, this character that I have been uh, writing a lot with, uh, Jackson Sutherland. And uh, he is a type 1 diabetes that uh, loves kayaking. So might, maybe it would be interesting to see what he does to, to, uh, to be safe on the waters with his condition. I think both sound like uh, like great options, and I will connect with you offline. We'll get the contact information uh, for both and uh, and reach out to them and try and get them on the show. So, well, again, this has been wonderful speaking with you. I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I hope you have a shibby day. Yeah, thank you. I hope you have a shibby day, too. <laughs> If you want to be a stronger and more efficient paddler, Power to the Paddle is packed with fitness guidance and complete descriptions along with photos of more than 50 exercises to improve your abilities and enjoy your time on the water. The concept and exercises in this book have helped me become a better paddler and they can make a difference for you too. The exercises in the book can help you reduce tension in your shoulders and low back, use the power of your torso to create leverage and use less energy with each stroke, Use force generated from your lower body to make your paddling strokes more efficient. Have the endurance to handle long days in the boat. Drive through the toughest waves or white water. Protect your body against common paddling injuries. And while you're at it, you might even lose a few pounds. And who wouldn't mind that? So visit PaddlingExercises.com to get the book and companion DVD. Joachim has progressed quite a lot since hopping in that feel-free Corona sit on top, but he's still living in the moment and experiencing every bit he can out of an adventure. I've put several references in the show notes, including links to the Shibby Traveler, where you can read his blog posts and watch his videos. And you'll even find a link to meet Valdemir the Whale, and he has some interesting information on his, about his other love, freediving. So you'll find all that in the show notes. Our next episode will take us to Australia to talk with Stuart Truman. Now, Stuart's a man of the world, having visited more than 40 countries and paddled in both the Arctic and Antarctic. And he's going to share his tale of paddling 17,000 kilometers all the way around Australia. Thanks, as always, for listening, and I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Paddling the Blue. Thank you for listening to Paddling the Blue. You can subscribe to Paddling the Blue on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. We truly appreciate the support. 
And you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes, along with replays of past episodes, contact information, and more at paddlingtheblue.com. Until next time, I hope you get out and paddle the blue.